0: Asbury Methodist Village and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our
1: new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make
0: a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be Next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. Welcome to the Fantrax
1: Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and Prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what
0: this show is all about, covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. Alright, Dynasty and Prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 40 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store for you all today. And with me, as always, my partner in crime, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's going on, bud? Hey, not much. I'm I'm just pumped. I don't know. I'm pumped to talk about baseball.
1: <laughs> yeah, It's going to be a good night, and we're continuing... RMLB MLB draft coverage last week doing hitters. And this week we get to talk about some pitchers and there's a lot of fun arms. So I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to this episode. I think it's going to be a really good one. And hopefully one that will help you out in your FYPDs and dynasty leagues.
0: The real reason why Chris is excited though, he's just really amped up because of the Adam Frazier deal. Like <laughs> that just got the blood flowing. You know, you just love that Adam Frazier deal. Yeah. Don't you?
1: Would have been nice. if It was to Atlanta, but <laughs> <laughs> right. here we are. The Braves are going to sit on their hands and not do anything, which I don't know. It might be the right move with everybody injured. The rotations beat up without Acuna. You know, I don't think they're going to make a postseason run. So why trade for? I just don't see a need to really go all in, trade the prospects maybe next year.
0: Right, I think you you wouldn't even be having this like discussion if any team would want to like run away with that division, right? Like, yeah, they're still like what? Last time I looked, they were like four, four or five games back. So they're five out, and they played Mets yeah. five times this week. So it could change quickly, exactly. But it's yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't see Atlanta even if they like do sneak out a wild card, or actually, no, it has to be the division probably at this point. Because both the wild cards coming out of the West, um, in the NL at least, but. Yeah, even if they win the division, I don't see them going deep with all the injuries you mentioned. I would love actually. I'd like Adam Frazier on the Red Sox. I think he'd profile he well. That.
1: Yeah, I and think he thought we'd point.
0: finally have a leadoff hitter, even though Kike's been raking lately. But I still don't like Kike leading off. Um, uh, it
1: it just seems like we're to the point now in baseball where the Padres, the Dodgers, they're just gonna get who they want. It doesn't really matter
0: without giving baseball. up anybody of no.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it seems like the prospect, the value of prospects in in Major League Baseball is like, like fantasy value, like, you know, guys don't want to give up their prospects in, in Dynasty Leagues. And it feels like that right now. Like, you don't see top 100 prospects get traded at all, which is interesting.
0: Right, like the, the biggest piece going back to Pittsburgh who they're apparently very high on is uh, a Marcano. Right. They, they think it be like an Adam Fraser type of player, which he might be. We'll see. He's, you know, a decent little player. But uh yeah, anybody that thought like that any of the the big names like Abrams wasn't going anywhere, even with the injury. Like those types of guys are not going to be traded right now unless you're bringing in like, you know, a big big name, not an Adam Fraser name, you they know,
1: didn't you darvish they didn't go anywhere i mean that's a big name right, exactly yeah it, and they what
0: was who was
1: the top one? Like, was it like snell they traded for blake snell was a bit uh, you know better friendly yep. contract than reginald presciato was the the biggest in that deal
0: right yeah, yeah. it's a bunch of like upside guys that could be something good someday but nobody that's anywhere near top 100 right now but yeah and
1: i, I was high on that whole package going to Chicago, even though the Cubs fans were like melting down. But again, it's it's all 18 and seven were at the time 17, 18 year old dudes that were like, you know, what they could be. We didn't know what we hadn't seen them. We didn't you know very little bit of what we knew about them. So right. And then like
0: the, the, the average fan doesn't know who Reginald Presiado is, right? Yeah. Or like who Yison Santana is. Like, you know, us us prospect hounds know that those names, obviously. But you know, the average fan that's like a casual fan to be like. Who the heck are these guys? Yeah. Oh, that was terrible! Oh, what's yeah. wrong with the Cubs? And you know, insert swear word here, insert swear word there. <laughs> you know, that's you know, you know how fans are when they get passionate. Right. You know, obviously we all get like that. I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I haven't thrown out a few choice swear words over the years regarding the Red Sox, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, and then Whit Merrifield, is uh, probably going to be in the move. What's- yeah, like Mariners are interested. The the uh, trade market really heating up here. So it's we got be what? a fun week. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun week. We, got, you know, we're on the 25th right now as we're recording, so it's getting near, near to the deadline. Always a fun time, especially if your team's contending and might buy. But then my Red Sox get to add Chris Sale for free pretty soon, which is great. But I'm hoping we go out and get another arm, but we'll see. But so enough about that. Where where does Max Scherzer end up? You know, I I, I hate to say it, but the the one that this logically makes sense actually there's two the yankees and the dodgers i can't yeah. i can't see any team that it's not the yankees or dodgers like yeah if i had to bet if i you told me to throw 100 bucks my own money down i probably would have said the yankees originally but i think the dodgers are going to feel the heat of the padres moves so i think they'll try to counteract <laughs> that because i don't think they want both uh josiah gray and david price in that rotation right now maybe one of them but I think they like price more on like that long relief role, which I think he's probably where he's best suited the, at this point anyway. So I could see them bringing in Scherzer. And, yeah.
1: You know, this I fun though. The Dodgers Padres are is a fun little rivalry.
0: Oh, it's great. It's, it's the best rivalry in baseball right now. And that's coming from a guy that's lived through the Red Sox Yankees rivalry for the last three decades. But the Red Sox Yankees rivalry is pretty stale right now. Dodgers Padres is not. Yeah even Dodgers Giants. Like those are two good rivalries out there in the NL West. And it helps when all three of those teams are very good right now. Yeah, that's fair. Does the Scherzer fetch a top 50 prospect? I think he does. I think that's like the, the guy that will fetch. Like if you went to the Dodgers, you know, they probably want an arm back. You know, maybe, I don't know if they would trade just Josiah Gray in this, but maybe like a Bobby Miller goes or someone like that, even though he's not really yeah. top 50 yet. Um, yeah, but I think Serge could fetch a top 50. At least top 100 prospect. You got to think, right?
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting, but I don't know, man. Darvish kind of. I don't know Serge's contract situation. I think he's pretty expensive for the next few years, at least. So, well, Watching this go to the Padres.
0: Probably. <laughs> like, get everybody of note and not give up anything of note. Right. Oh, no. AJ uh, Preller is walking on water right now with all these deals he's making
1: i was wrong Scherzer's a free agent after this year so he's not gonna he, he.
0: oh he's just maybe, yeah he's just a, a rental
1: maybe a borderline top 100 guy bobby miller like that that seems
0: that right. yeah maybe like miller and miller and like a mid-level hitter or something like that yeah i could see that yeah then throwing like uh, alex De jesus or something like that you know someone with a little bit of upside but you know a little bit more risky yeah. But we'll be fun. We'll chat about it next week. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun the next few weeks uh, after we get done with this. But before we get into all that next week, let's talk about some draft guys this week. But before we do, the usual housekeeping here you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Clegg. I am at Aircross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And please check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us, bonus podcasts, private Discord access access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings and so much more these perks are available across four different tiers starting at five dollars a month or if you just want to thank and support chris and i you can do so for one dollar a month you can sign up today at patreon.com fantrax toolshed and of course check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the network including our other two baseball podcasts five tool and SP streamer all right chris let's get into this week's episode here let's do it. As- As mentioned, we went over hitters last week, which was a lot of fun. You missed that. Go back and check that out. Obviously, it's going to be evergreen for a while now, so you want to check it out next week, in a month, two months, whatever. I'm sure we'll we'll go back to it at some point, but go check that out. And we're going to be talking pitchers today, and as Chris mentioned, a lot of intriguing arms here, both on the collegiate side of things and the prep side. Let's start with probably the two biggest names of this draft. Both went to the same exact school. We had Kumar Rocker going number ten overall to the New York Mets, and number two overall to the Texas Rangers. His teammate, the much smaller Jack Lighter, I think for the most part, lighter's probably the number one pitcher in this draft for FYPD. Like everyone, any rankings you see, it has Lighter one pretty much. Even though I like a lot of the other names behind him, but Lighter's got to be number one. He with the upside he possesses, the floor proximity. You gotta love all of that. Now, how excited are you about Jack Leiter? Chris, like, how good do you think Jack Leiter can be down the road?
1: I think he's the safest option in the draft from a pitcher standpoint. Like, he just screams like at least an SP three at worst. Like, and you people will scoff at that. Like, people are gonna hear this right now and say, "Oh, they're gonna freak out." But you know, that's that's saying something if that's like the floor that you're looking at. And I think that he's got an argument to already be a top five to 10 pitching prospect. You know, I've for fantasy, I've already slotted him in that range and he's got that upside where he could be like a top 15, 10 starter in all of baseball. Because when you just look at the body of work, you know, he took major steps this year and I was already, I already had him over a rocker before this season. And then he comes in and the fastball jumps from like 91 to 94 to 94 to 98. Like, Insane, the, the the spin on it. He paints the upper zone extremely well. And, you know, I think you could argue that that pitch is a 70 pitch pretty easily, the fastball. You know, when you look at the uh, the the vertical approach angle that he's throwing in, it's, it's elite. Like, hard to argue with that. And all the underlying metrics are just really, really good. Then you factor in, he's facing the best competition in college baseball. Throws oh, yeah. 110 innings over 18 starts, like they worked him. Like he was a workhorse and pitched to two, one, three ERA struck out 179 batters. The walks 45 walks is eh, a touch concerning, but I don't see, you know, why it couldn't become like, he's going to improve the control. You know, just watching him pitch. Like he's more than capable of doing that. And even still with those walks, a whip of 0.845. That's darn impressive. And, you can say it's against college competition. It's whatever is the best college competition you can face. Lighter's the real deal. Rocker's really good as well. So, you know, I hit a lot on lighter. But if you have any comments there, I think that, you know, the argument of his fastball, his curveball plays really well off of it. I think the development development of a changeup will be really important, but it's there. And I think that he's got Three 60 grade pitches and the changeup that could really develop into that pitch as well. So, yeah, I, that,
0: I was that's what I was gonna ask you because you know, everyone, you know, the fastball obviously, like you mentioned, is an elite fastball with everything that factors into it the movement, the spin rate, velocity, everything easily plus. And like you mentioned, borderline double plus. But I've seen, you know, a lot of people aren't as high on his secondaries. And I, you just mentioned you, you think he could have three plus pitches, so you really do think that he could develop two of those into. Offerings. I'm assuming you probably meant his curve and slider, yeah. The other two,
1: yeah. I think yeah. the curveball is an easy,
0: yeah. Easy I think one. the curveball could be. Um, you know, I'm not as quite as high on the slider, uh, and change up. I think those are, you know, maybe average above average right now, but um, in terms of the better secondary, like the best secondary offering between him and Rocker goes to Rocker with that slider. Like that slider was absolutely filthy, and with Rocker, you know, he had the velocity was there, but it was kind of inconsistent throughout the year. He had that dip middle of the year when he was down to like 91, 92, 93, uh, oddly. Uh, then he got back up end of the year. So that kind of alleviated some of the concern there. But I, I do think I'd say that higher upside slightly might go to rocker, but I think there's a, a bigger gap between the two of them in terms of floor, which I would give to Jack lighter, but it's, uh, totally so it's fair. Yeah. It's, it's like nitpicking. Like like you mentioned, they're both very good arms, um all the enough like like you you wouldn't think that Lighter would be so much worse in terms of the walk rate when you watch them pitch but when you look at the numbers you know he later had a uh, walk rate above 10% and Kumar Rockers was well below 10% Rockers last year uh, in his 20 starts was 8% and Jack Lighter's on the other hand as i do some quick math here was 10.5 percent, and you know, that's not terrible. You know, we talked about that with like Freddie Peralta and uh, Trevor Rogers, who were kind of like hovering in that range. It's not terrible, but the fact that he was doing that in college, you know, I don't, I'm not saying his control is going to get worse or anything like that, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit better control out a lighter, make me feel even safer about him. Um, the year before that, even though it was a small sample size, only 15 and two-thirds innings, he he did walk eight out of 60 batter's face, which is 13.3%. But the lighter is definitely the safest, I think. I think he could be – I don't think he's going to be an ace. I don't think he's like a front-line guy unless he develops the secondaries a bit more and improves the uh, command and control a little bit. But I do think he's, yeah, number two, high in number three, something like that. Uh, Rocker, I don't think I, I even see Rocker as an ace. I think Rocker – you know, a high end two is his upside. You know, he but he could be down as much as a four. Um, so, you know, one of those high strike at number four starters. He's I think he's a wreck of the case. Obviously, that slider it's absolutely filthy. Uh 70 grade offering, easily, I think. One of the best pitches in general in the in the draft class. So um, but yeah, it's they're both very good. Like I had uh slotting them into my overall rankings like you alluded to. For pitching prospects, Lighter is currently, what is that, number? I have six, eight behind G-Rod, Kirby, Hancock, Boz, Cavalli, Sixto, and Max Meyer. And then 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, I have Rocker 18th, but there's like a big cluster of arms, so that's not like a slight to Rocker at all. This is a lot of of talented arms right now. Um, Yeah. Including, and so where do you have them in your overall prospect rankings, Chris? All right. So Meyer, one, Rodriguez, two, Kirby,
1: three, Cavalli four, Lider, five. Then it goes Boz, Sixto, Ladolos, and Rocker. So Rocker, 10th. But tenth, again, okay. in the overall, the difference between Lider
0: and Rocker is 15 spots. Yeah. For me, so. it is about 30. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a cluster thing. My number 10 right now is Nate Pearson and who obviously I'm probably higher on than everybody in the world at this point, but uh, it's a story for another day. But yeah, both very good arms, you know, both top, at least top 20 pitching arms already right now. Um, and there's a lot of other, you know, those are the big two names here for the collegiate arms this year, but there's a lot of other, intriguing collegiate arms this year. And I think the next most intriguing who actually went one spot ahead of Kumar rocker at number nine to the angels, Sam Bachman. And as a classic rock fanatic, I'm like, I'm already thinking of like Bachman Turner overdrive team names down the road. When all, all my teams that might have Sam Bachman on, he's absolutely, he might be one of the, you know, you could argue that he is the filthiest pitcher in this draft, at least from the co- collegiate ranks. Like, yeah he didn't go to like a huge school. He went to Miami of Ohio, which still feels weird to me that 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 college, Miami of Ohio, like you don't think Miami you don't think Ohio, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you think Florida. you think sunshine and coconuts and palm trees and beaches. You don't think Ohio like like what's in Ohio? like honestly, what's in Ohio? Um, Cleveland uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I think they border one of the Great Lakes. I couldn't tell you which one. Lake Erie, maybe. Like, you know, it's just not as uh, prestigious as the other Miami, but uh, anyway, but Bachman is absolutely filthy. Like you see a lot of reports that people that think he could pitch out of a major league bullpen this year. And I and I agree with that. Like he said the fastball slider combination, both easily plus. Yeah, you, know, you could even if you want to say one of those two is double plus, I want, you know, I wouldn't go against that. You know, probably you'd go with the fastball, but that slider is borderline double plus as well. He had a ton of strikeouts last year on his final season at Miami, of Ohio. You know, there's some effort in the delivery, you know, some bullpen risk. That's not the greatest control in the world. So, all those kind of make, you know, It's people say, oh, it's like 60 40. He stays in the rotation. But I think if you draft a guy at number nine overall, you envision him as a starter. You don't draft a guy that high to be a bullpen arm. It may be back in the first round. Okay. Maybe like with, um, uh, Burl Callaway or Caraway last year. That's okay. But if you take top 10 pick, you're not drafting a reliever. I'm sorry. You're no. just not. The White Was Sox
1: that, took Crochet 11th last year. That is true. But do, do you
0: think they thought of Crochet as a reliever when they drafted him, though? I don't know. I wonder if
1: they, the need, maybe not. Maybe they just had the need last year. So they brought him up. He pitched out of the pin and now it's just kind of stuck. It's, I don't know. It's hard to say for sure, but it is. Hard, hard, like, right? you, it is hard to imagine drafting a top 10 ish pick as a
0: reliever. Right. Yeah. And Bachman, you look at the numbers here, they were better. Obviously, lesser competition. The MAC is nowhere near the competition level of the SEC, but Bachman in 12 starts, 181 ERA, 077 whip, 409 excuse me, 41% strikeout rate. And a better walk rate than Leiter as well, seven and a half percent. And what do, what are your thoughts on Bachman? I really like Bachman, and I think he's close to Rocker. I think he's a lower even a lower floor than Rocker does. And we already talked about Rocker's floor. But what what are your general thoughts on Bachman? Because I'm personally pretty damn high on him.
1: Yeah, I mean he's definitely got the stuff. The fastball is it just probably just as good as Leiter's. You know, it sits in the upper nineties. It touches a one hundred and one, which Leiter doesn't do. Uh, decent movement on it decent release points there uh the i think the biggest thing is his changeup development which he didn't have and he's been working on like prior to draft so if he develops a changeup, that's going to be huge 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 for him sticking the rotation
0: and, In and he, the, he flashes an above average one too it just needs yeah you know, a little more consistency with it but it does flash above average
1: yeah his uh his slider is really good too so I think when you factor that in, like, he's kind of like the the Max Meyer last year with those two like really really good pitches, like arguably the two, the best two pitch mix in the class. Like, is that a fair statement to say for him?
0: Yeah, he's definitely like top three in that regard. He's definitely in that mix for sure. Yeah, I
1: mean, two really really good pitches. I I mean, somewhat some might be a little lower on it, but you know, I, I think that he could take the Garrett Crochet route where the Angels could but I, I don't the angels aren't like pressing to compete so yeah you know, I, I don't think he comes up this year and hopefully they take the time to develop him as, as a starter next year but no i mean i'm definitely a fan i think there's as much upside as, of any pitcher in the class like bachman has it so it'll be curious to see how this all plays out with him but yeah from an upside standpoint like he's got it all day long
0: yeah absolutely and, and yeah, like we both kind of said if he if he develops that changeup even more Gets more consistency with it, you know, establishes that as a legit third weapon where even if it's just 55, having, you know, a 70 fastball, 60 to 70 slider, and a 55 change with, you know, I wouldn't say he's got above average command control, but it's at least around average, I think. Um, At least the control is average. Maybe the command might be a tick below at times. But um, again, I don't see any huge issues. Like, I don't, I'm not like thinking there's a big reliever risk here. I think there's some. Obviously, I won't say it's zero, but I'm more like eighty-five, fifteen, like starter for him long term. And yeah, he might, you know, begin his major league career in the bullpen. Um, but at the same time, I think he's a starter long term. But with that said, I don't like the recent track record that the Angels have developing arms. It's like it hasn't been great. All, all their top arms have kind of flailed out for the most part. So I don't know. I don't know how I like this landing spot, but we'll, but we'll see. Uh, after him and Rocker, there were three more taken inside the top 20, one of which I think we both like a considerable amount more than the other two. Uh, four, at pick 14 to the San Francisco Giants, they took Will Bednar. Then 18 to the Cardinals, they took uh, Michael McGreevy, or uh, we like to call him McGravy. And at 19, the guy we like more than the other two by a good amount, Toronto took Gunnar hoglund who probably would have went probably closer to the rocker Bachman range if he didn't have Tommy John surgery. That was the you know least opportune time to have Tommy John surgery, but you know still an early first round pick there. Chris, I think you you, you got a little more looks. I don't know if you can get live looks at him, but I think you watched a little bit more on Hoglund than I did. What what are your thoughts? Just your general thoughts on Hoglund? How good do you think he can be long term?
1: Yeah, and he made a big jump this year. Like he was one whose velo was kind of a question prior to this year, and then he came out firing that first start. You know, he was they were playing in Arlington actually in the Ranger Stadium against uh, Texas Tech, if I remember right. And his velo was up, and everybody's like, "Wow!" And the spin rates on his fastball, like when hit his fastball set like eighty-eight to ninety prior, which was like he was a good pitcher, but that was like a big question mark to for the draft. And then he came out firing 92 to 94 consistently and his fastball spin rates sitting around 2,600 RPM. Like that's a lot for a fastball.
0: That's good. And yeah. yeah.
1: You, you look at the, the big leaguers now without the sticky stuff and they're in that range. So that was kind of huge for him. Uh, the slider was really good as well. sits like 83 to 86 range. Yeah, you'd like to see it have a little more velo, but regardless, like if he's above 85, like that's gonna play. And I think that he only, you know, sees a little tick up in his velo. He's one that he looks smaller on the mound, but he's listed at 6'5". Like he doesn't look huge to me by any means. So you know, he gets a lot of extension, which is is really good. And like you said, I think that he would have been a top ten pick if not for Tommy John surgery. But that kind of speaks to how Toronto valued him because yeah. they took him still 19th, and yeah, I honestly, was afraid he was going to fall to the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are going to
0: get another monster. I think I think, I think everyone was this. worried that they were going to get Hoglin. Like that's just yeah. how it happens. Like it's like just like the uh, Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA. They all like someone good that has like some talent that you can work with always fell to them. And that's like how the Dodgers are. They always get somebody good. Yeah,
1: and yeah, all, this is credited to Mason because I read this from him, but in, since college baseball started using TrackMan, he leads all of college baseball in whiffs, which is pretty impressive. And so there's really solid performance at a high level here. I, I think I watched four or five of his starts from start to end and just, you know, highly impressive guy. He seems like a, like a high character guy as well, like a leader in the clubhouse. So this was a great pick by Toronto and one in FYPDs that I think is going to go lower than he probably deserves because he is coming back from Tommy John. But look, here's the thing about that. When guys get it early, it's a good thing. There's a chance that a lighter or rocker or Bachman could all get it two or three years down the road. But with Hoggling right. it's out of the way, like he's already gotten it. So, yes, like he is going to miss, you know, he'll come back late next year probably, but he's got it out of the way, he's got it done. He should be a fast mover upon coming back, you know, a high profile college arm. So yeah, Hoagland's one of those that I've seen a good bit and all the data I've seen is just really, really good. Uh, And I meant I had not mentioned the change up. So a good three pitch mix there between those three and you know, the fastball maybe above average, the slider probably plus the change up average, but the command is where he really gets, I'm like, Really, really good command. Like he could be plus to double plus command at peak. I think that he only sees a tick up in velo when we saw that this year. So he should continue to see that rise. And I think that he could be probably one of. So if you don't want to pay up at the top of your draft for lighter or rocker, like he's the one that I'll get. He's the one that I'll get in the twenty to thirty range. So I think is going to fall there. And I think it's going to be a great value in first year player drafts.
0: Oh, uh, absolutely. And that's kind of where I have I have him. Uh, let's see, where do I have him currently? 19th in my rankings, uh, right right behind Gavin Williams, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. And yeah, he would have been, let's say let's say the injury never happened. He's probably like 13, 14 for me, like up in that Harry Ford, Sam Bachman, Fried like Matt McLean range up there, um, as opposed to being down by 20 where he is now. But yeah, that, you know, Hoglin is, and he was having a breakout 2020 uh, 2022 before the shutdown. Like in mean, four yeah. starts, one sixteen ERA last year, uh, four walks, thirty-seven Ks in 23 innings. So if you combine his last two years at Mississippi, which is 15 starts and 86 innings, he combined have a 6.2 percent walk rate, which is a above average, and a 39 percent strikeout rate. You know, WHIP of about 0.92, ERA. I'd have to do the math, but ERA was very good as well. So yeah, he just absolutely dominated and that breakout started back in 2020 and then continued in 2021 and sucked when he went down with Tommy John. But, you know, I, like I agree. You know what you mentioned getting it out of the way, like who doesn't have Tommy John surgery now? Yeah. It's like, it's like more often than not, you see it happen. So I'd rather have it happen now. Obviously you don't want it to happen at all. Yeah. But I'd rather have, have it happen now than when he's in like double a in, you know, a year and a half or so. Like, Much better to have it done now. If there ever is a quote unquote good time to have it done, definitely rather have it now. And yeah, I I echo everything you said about Gunnar Hoglund. I think, you know, he might not be the flashiest out of these guys. Like he doesn't have that 70 grade offering that Rocker has or that Lighter has or Bachman. So the upside might not be quite as high, but his floor, I think, can rival anybody in the draft class. I think it really can. Like you mentioned, the command and control profile, both of which are at least plus. And he saw that with the walk rates, he, he can locate his pitches, all three of his pitches very well. He can land for strikes. He can bury this, you know, the slider below the zone. Changeup looks pretty good as well. I think they can be an above average pitch as well. So I think you could be looking at a guy that just has, you know, three offerings that are fifty-five or sixty, along with, you know, similar or better command and control. And then that'll play. Those are the guys that more often than not, like, those are the guys that turn into like the the really good arms in baseball. Like I think he might have the best chance in this draft class of being a number two starter long-term just because of that command and control profile, which is better than any of the other arms we've talked about right now. So yeah. definitely like, like Gunnar Hoglund a lot. I think, you know, if he wasn't injured, I think he'd be a guy that you'd be targeting, right? We're pretty close to Rocker and Hoglund and, and uh, excuse me, and Bachman. He might even be better than them long-term. We'll see. How I, back, if he was excited. healthy,
1: if he's healthy, I feel comfortable slotting him eighth in the FYPD behind Brady House. Yep. Rocker, I have rocker six. Like, I'd go above, I'd am him above Job if he was healthy. So, that's that's what I think of him. I think he's very talented. I think you're going to get a good value on him right now.
0: Yeah. And I, I kind of like the landing spot too. Like, Toronto's, they could have a pretty damn good rotation. Everything breaks, right? Obviously, with Pearson, who knows? But, you know, they got some good arms in that system and adding a guy like Hogland where they did. I love that pick. I saw them that pick him up on the screen. Um, or I probably saw it on Twitter first from Kylie McDaniel, but uh, saw the pick come in. I was like, ah, I like that. That's a good pick. Um, so yeah, definitely Gunnar Hoglund's probably one of the better value picks in the first round. Uh, let's get to the other collegiate guys here uh, that went in the first round that we're not, not quite as high on, but still a bunch of other good arms here. Let's go, let's go quickly on the other two here in the top 20, probably get into some of the uh, intriguing guys in the twenties. Will Bednar at 14 to San Fran. Michael McGreevy 18, the St. Louis, which one of these two are you higher on? I, I think we're both a little bit higher on Bednar, but f- for you, what's the gap between, you know, a hoglin and a guy like Bednar, how big is that gap for you? Cause for me, it's actually pretty big. I know you're higher than on Bednar than I am, but you know, I think there's a pretty solid gap here, but and that's no shake the Bednar, I think it'd be a solid arm, but uh, wh- what are your thoughts on Bednar and McGreevy?
1: Yeah, I think Bednar got better as the season went on and, in the, and he really solidified his draft status honestly in the College World Series final when he just outdueled you know he he pitched better than both the the Vandy arms in the series so he, did, yeah. he he pitched incredible and with Bednar I think you're getting and uh, there's some risk with the command but even still like that improved this year like his walk rate went down this year which was which was huge for him and again we got to remember like this is a He's, yes, he's 21, but in 2020, that was his, his first year, and he only pitched – he only had one start in 2020, actually. And so he didn't get much experience there, which is kind of interesting. But this year he came on strong. I think he saw some improvement with his fastball velo. Overall, I think that he was really impressive. And again, against that competition, I like his delivery a lot. And the fastball, plus pitch, high whiff rate, throws a lot of strikes with it, sits like 92 to 96 pretty consistently. Uh, then he also throws. The secondaries are, are solid. I mean, I wouldn't say they're as like, good as Hoagland's could be, but still, I, mean, I like his slider. I think the slider's arguably could be a plus pitch. The curveball solid as well. I think the lack of changeup is a question mark there. But still, he gets a lot of spin when on his breaking pitches and the command of him, I think, is the biggest thing. He improved that, but how does it stick long-term? We'll see. McGreevy, uh, I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of the pick, but what are your thoughts on him? Because I'm kind of like, meh about
0: him. You know, I've been meh about McGreevy, and I thought that was a little bit of a reach, I thought there was some better arms on the board, but the more I've kind of looked into McGreevy and and thought about it, the more I like it, and I'm I'm still not huge on McGreevy, I kind of think of him as a poor man's hoglin. I think he's got like similar kind of characteristics and, you know, in the the arsenal. And he's a good command and control guy. He only walked 11 batters last year in 101 innings. So with 425 batters face, that's a 2.6% walk rate. That's pretty damn good. He didn't strike out quite as many uh, as as the other guys here 27.1%. Uh, in the Big West Conference, you know, the powerful Big West. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, not a big strikeout guy. He doesn't have the big stuff, kind of like Hogland. doesn't have, like, the any pitches that stand out. Uh, he's He's got a nice th- uh, four-pitch mix here, you know, the, the normal fastball, curveball, slider, changeup. They're all, like, 50-55, but they play up because he can locate them very well. He's plus command, plus control. But he's a guy where, you know... I'd like him a lot more if he was doing this against better competition. You know, Big West isn't like a a terrible conference, but it's not the SEC. It's not, you know, big, it's not the Pac-10. So it's it's not a big time conference. So I I wonder how he kind of translates over into the minor leagues. But I think there's a decent floor here. I think a number four type starter, maybe best case scenario. He's a mid rotation guy just because of the high floor that he brings and the community control profile. But yeah, I'm warming up to it. You know, good frame, 6'4, 215, 220 in that range. You know, I, I, I'm I'm warming up to it, but I'm not super high on McGreevy. Um, like for reference here, I have Bednar, where do I have Bednar? 27 in my rankings currently for FYPD, and I have McGreevy 40. I might move McGreevy up a little bit. I've been inching him up a little bit more and more. Um, but so he's a good, like, you know, 12 to 15 spots lower. Where, where do you have these two in your rankings, Chris?
1: Yeah, I've got uh, Bednar at 20 and McGreevy at 26. So I'm a little higher on McGreevy than you, which is interesting. But I think that the the floor is there. That's really the big thing. Like, there's a lot of risk in some of the other arms in this area. Like, we're going to talk about some of these in the 20s. And McGreevy kind of possesses that higher floor. And you know who also went to UC Santa Barbara, who had elite control?
0: One of the best Amen. pitchers in baseball, Shane Beaver so he, he went to uc Santa barbara he, he did yeah i did not think he went there I, that's the first name i thought of was bieber i'm like nah he didn't go there yeah,
1: he did which is interesting huh. so i don't know i'm not saying that mcgreevy going to follow that path but mcgreevy <laughs> has a good arsenal with great command and that's kind of the the path that bieber followed and then you know, the rest is kind of history there so yeah it'll be fun to watch him develop but I, there was other guys with more upside in this area but you know for the Cardinals, I think it's a good floor pick and there's a chance, there's a good chance that he makes the major league rotation. That's what it feels like to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I love how we have to put that disclaimer out there. Like we're not saying he's going to be Shane Bieber. <laughs> Cause you know, there's always yes. that one person that's like, Oh, so uh Chris, I heard you say that. Uh, you think Michael McGreevy's is going to be the next he, Shane Bieber. He comped him to Shane Bieber. It's <laughs> no, no. always that one person. Take always one person. Yeah. Put that disclaimer out there, not comping him to Shane Bieber. We wouldn't yes. do that. That'd, That'd be, be p- crazy talk. Um, but let's get to the other names here before we hit the break and talk about the intriguing prep arms here. I think uh, the other names we have left here that we want to talk about for collegiate arms. Uh, we, Jordan Wicks went 21 to the Chicago Cups, Ryan Cusick, 24 to your Atlanta Braves Ty Madden fell down to 32 to the Detroit Tigers. Jaden Hill went 44 to the Colorado Rockies, which is interesting. There's a lot of interesting stuff with that pick and that player, but then, my favorite one out of this range, and a guy that I just love the landing spot, Love this stuff. Gavin Williams going twenty three to the Cleveland Indians. What a could you think of a better landing a like player organiz, organization combination in this draft, Chris than Gavin Williams going to the Cleveland Indians? No, I put out a tweet that
1: when he got drafted it, Gavin Williams and Cleveland were a matchmate in heaven, and the the Indians or the Cleveland Fan base loved it. They. They, they really went wild on that tweet, but yeah, I mean, it's a hundred percent true. He is a fantastic pitcher. And again, he's another one who I think the postseason really helped his draft stock in the super regional against Vanderbilt. He pitched an absolute gem. I think he struck out 12 Vanderbilt hitters. He pitched extremely well. I think he went seven innings as well. He may have struck out more than 12. I need to find that game log, but yeah, you look at the combination of the air of stuff, and I like him better than any of those pitchers we just talked about.
0: Like, I yeah. like him better than Bachman personally. He, I, I have Bachman a little higher, but it's close. Like, yeah, I, I comped. Uh, I usually struggle with comps, but the one that immediately popped in my mind, especially with the system he went into, he reminds me of a more advanced and more polished Ethan Hankins. Yeah,
1: That's big fair.
0: fastball. You know, some solid secondaries that he's still refining. You know, bigger, taller guy. He's just that six. What is he? Six, six five. Eight. He's six, eight. Yeah, he's huge.
1: No, maybe I'm off on that. I think uh, I he's, listed he's, that
0: wrong. He's tall. He's, he's at least six, five. He's between six, five and six, eight. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm seeing six six two thirty. Yeah, I don't, on my sheet, I've got I've listed him six eight. I don't know where I got that. <laughs> he's uh he's seven foot four. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's also playing in the NBA. Around. Yeah, he's 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 going to be starting at center for the Dallas Mavericks here as well. Um, yeah, you know, like big size, big frame. You know, can throw strikes. He's not like you know, he's not a big, you know, plus command and control guy. But he's at least average command and control, and maybe a tick above. Um, if you look at his last year at Eastern Carolina was absolutely like and you mentioned the, the postseason run as well, which definitely helped. But even before that, like the, the final season he had there, 188 ERA, 096 whip, and 130 strikeouts to 21 walks in 81 in a third inning. So good walk rate, can strike him, you know, can miss bats at a high clip as well. Getting him into Cleveland, like he could tick up to fifty five or sixty command and control. Like I don't put anything past Cleveland and developing arms and maximizing the full potential. So it, Gavin Williams is a guy that just cause he didn't go to a big school and he kind of pop, popped on the scene like this year. Like he wasn't nobody. He wasn't really on any radar before this year because he only made two relief appearances in 2020 and in 2019. He had 21 appearances, five starts era was four and a half. So he really came into his own in his final season, the East Carolinas. So he's a guy that, I think you can still get at a pretty solid, you know, value. Like I think he's the other top value in this first round, along with a Gunnar Hoglund. because or Ho- is it is it Hoagland or Hoglund? Uh, I want yeah, to say it right. It's Hoagland. I, I want to say Hogland. It looks like it. <laughs> it it looks like Hogland. I got okay. Hogland. Um let's think Hoagie. I mean, it's a New England thing. I think <laughs> Hoagie. Um so Gunnar Hoagland and Gavin Williams, I think are the top two value picks here in the first round. Uh would you agree with that, Chris?
1: yeah yeah and I and Williams is my fourth FYPD pitcher behind Leiter, rocker and job so that's what I think of him
0: yeah Very, for, me, of him. for me he's for me he's uh he's five for me right now but yeah I, it's like toss up for him and Bachman like I, I think Williams is safer than Bachman I think Bachman have a little more upside but getting him in the Cleveland org is just absolutely phenomenal here uh let's talk a little bit about your guy here Chris. Cusick. I know you weren't overly happy with the picks. So I'll let, I'll let you vent a little here if you want to. What are your thoughts on, on Cusick and why why do you not like that pick for your Braves? I
1: just feel like it's a reliever waiting to happen. Uh I mean, it's funny because when he was he was at the draft and when he got picked uh uh Pisan asked him he was like uh so, are you going to be a starter or a reliever with Atlanta? And he's, and you know, of course, he's going to say I'm a starter, and the Braves think I'm a starter too. They, he wouldn't say otherwise. But honestly, he's like a two pitch guy. The fastball is really good, and you, I think you can't make an argument against that. You know, he's a big boy like Williams. He's, I think, he's six six. He gets nice rise on his fastball, and the fastball is up to like ninety eight pretty consistently, which is is pretty crazy. There, he hits a hundred. Gets good spin rates on it, and then he's got a, a plus curveball. So two really good pitches. But yeah. what else is there? The command and control is, you know, kind of meh at best. The stuff is good on those pitches, but I just question like, can he develop a changeup? Yeah, he has one, but he doesn't really throw it a ton, and doesn't. I don't know. He also throws like a a power slurve type thing sometimes, which is interesting as well. I don't know. I just don't love it enough to take it 25, but again, or 24, excuse me. I took Jared Schuster at twenty-five last year. Similar stuff. But Schuster's pitched well this year in the minor
0: league. So they, they like them wake forest arms.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe <laughs> maybe the connection Schuster, there. Yeah, they'll have some good chemistry in the the locker room if they get in the same level. I'll be interested to see the development. Like I think the development of his changeup is going to be huge for
0: him, but I just see a lot of RP risk on him. Yeah, I think so, too. But you mentioned that fastball-curveball combination. That could be really lethal coming out of the pen with him running up in the the upper registers with that fastball then dropping that curveball. Uh, I think that could be a lethal combination there. But we'll see. We'll see how Atlanta wants to develop him. Uh, He's definitely one of the more intriguing items. But he can have, like, a great final year at Wake Forest. Yeah, he struck out a lot of guys. But at the same time, he had a 424 ERA, 139 whip and 12 starts. I mean, stats aren't everything, of course, but you know the fact that he didn't dominate in his final year. So we'll see. He's he's definitely one an intriguing one to follow here you now as he gets into the Brave system here. A couple of the names quickly before we hit the break here: Jordan Wicks, Ty Madden, Jaden Hill. You know, Chris, pick one of those guys and go with it. Who do you want to talk about there?
1: Um, let's go with Ty Madden. Yeah, I would lo- love to talk about Jaden Hill, but Colorado's just a terrible <laughs>
0: landing spot. Yeah, like, Jaden Hill is uh, a real, real quick though. Where do you, would you like Hill more? Obviously you'd like him more if he didn't go to Colorado, but w- let's say take the team out of it. What were your thoughts real quick on, on Hill? Were you kind of out because of the injury and some of the other risks goes along with Jaden Hill, or were you still kind of a Jaden Hill guy?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, he's like a little bit lesser of Hoagland. Like, I mean, I, uh, again, I watched a lot of him. really liked what I saw And some starts. He struggled though. Like, he some starts he just didn't have it at all, so that's really the question mark of the inconsistency, I guess, with him. So I don't know. I, I thought it would it maybe it would have been best for him to go back to school. And but again, you know, he wouldn't have pitched much next year anyway, so right, it's hard to say for sure. But the landing spot just kills him. I mean, the fastball was big, he could get to upper 90s pretty easily in shorter stints. His fastball ticked down all year, though, which I wonder if had to do with injury. You know, the fastball went from 95 to 97 consistently to 92 to 96, then 90 to 94 before he, you know, went down. And it's the same thing like last year. I loved Chris McMahon, but that landing spot, not good, man. Not good. So, yeah, I like Hill. I don't like the landing spot. I don't like the injury. But yeah, definitely like Madden a little more. I think a lot of people were upset that he slipped out of the first round. But again, I think this was a thing where Detroit already had a deal. I'm not as high on Madden as some. So if you're higher on Madden than me, maybe you should hit on him. Again, I watched him several times. I have him 29th in my FYPD rankings. Not bad, but I'm not in love with him
0: like some people are. <laughs> I have him 29th. Also, it's kind of funny. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I think that was. I think that was a great get though. Um, yeah. for D- Detroit, like it was. You know, and some can say all they they needed position players more, and a lot of them, a lot of Detroit fans I know were uh, pretty irritated. Let's say that they passed on Marcelo Mayer for Jackson Job, who we'll talk about here soon. We'll we'll talk about Jackson Job, but don't worry about that. Uh, I love Jackson Job, but uh, I think that's a that's a great like first two picks combination. You get a, a collegiate arm like Ty Madden, high upside guy like Jackson Job, number three overall. That is a good combination, and yeah, it was fairly. Really interesting that Madden fell. Like he was you know, outside of Cleo uh, Watson falling to 16, who was we thought was a top five pick. Madden falling was kind of like the other, you know, big name to fall. Kind of like, wh- where's he going to go? Where's the slide stop? But Madden, uh, I'm not like super high on Madden, but I think there's a lot of good stuff there. You know, he's a, got a solid frame, 6'3, like 220 or so. I think he's at the, he's less at 215, but he looks a little bigger. So, but who knows? Uh, but the big fastball, mid to upper 90s, uh, slider. I think slider is a plus pitch as well. You know, change up, curveball also there, but behind. I think the changeup has some, has some uh, potential there. It's, it shows good, uh, good movement profile to it. Some fade, some sink, a little bit of depth there. But, you know, he's really kind of relied on that fastball slider more so. And, you know when you don't really need to develop you know third and fourth offerings cuz your you know, your two offerings are pretty good like i say both the fastball and slider are plus there um so he, he kind of got away with not needing to go to his other pitches much but you know the one thing with him i think he needs to develop that third pitch now though cuz as good as those two pitches are like you would have thought that he would have had a you know a bigger strikeout rate than he did like his final year Uh, at at texas 245 era 105 whip you know pretty solid there strikeout rate was kind of at least for a arm of his magnitude it was 30.3 percent you know that's good but you would have thought it would be high you see all these guys we talk about were like mid to upper 30s so i want to see him miss bats more consistently see how the command and control plays i think he's uh, maybe potential to be 50s on both but I think if he was to go one way or the other, he'd go down to 45 as opposed to 55 there. Um, he's had some walk issues in college uh, throughout his career. You know, walk rates were even higher his first uh, couple of years in school. So, um, but definitely an intriguing arm. I'll see how Detroit develops him, but I uh, definitely got that. If you want some upside an upside arm back into the, you know, or even like the 25 to 35 range, where so I think he'll go mostly in FYPDs. I think that's a, a good target there, but um, what are your thoughts on, on uh, Wicks here? I think he's – he reminds me of a lefty Jackson Kolar, kind of. You know, yeah. I, there's some similarities there with the big changeup, not the big fastball, you know, questions about the breaking ball. But what are, what are your thoughts on Wick here before we hit the break? Yeah.
1: I mean, that's an interesting comp. I mean, really good changeup, really good command, fastball. I think that's going to be the hindrance. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it ticks up, but – It'll be interesting to see. I think that'll play into his development. I, I wouldn't say either of his breaking pitches, either a slider and a curve. I wouldn't say either of them are, are great pitches. I mean, that maybe average at best. That changeup's really good, and I, you know, I think that
0: that's filthy. It's like yeah, like a Cole Hamill type of changeup from the left yeah. side. That's just so good.
1: And you know, and maybe with that, I mean, maybe a 92 mile an hour fastball plays, but it'll it will he will be one that it, we'll have to watch his development pretty closely. I think he's a little older for the class compared to most of these guys. And like I said, the best changeup and arguably the best changeup in the draft, the rest of the arsenal is just kind of okay to me. And so I'll be interested to see if he sticks as a starter or reliever. I kind of see him as a reliever, but I think they're going to give him a chance to start it. Cause again, you don't take a guy in my opinion, you don't take a guy that high. If you want him to be a reliever, just my thoughts. 100%
0: agree there. Yeah, Wicks, I don't know. I can't get two in the Wicks. I think he's a decent floor guy. Uh, He screams like number four to me. I don't know. It's that profile screams number four, which is nothing wrong with that. But the upside is kind of lacking. I have, what do I have in my rankings? Uh, Why can't I find him in my rankings right now? Oh, 33. Um, So he's like my, I don't know, less. 12th, 15th arm off the board for FYPD. He's behind Madden for me. He's behind Cusick and all them. So um, But, you know, decent arm, but not one that I'm kind of going out of my way to target in my FYPDs personally. But we're going really long here, so let's go ahead and hit a break, come back on the other side and get into some of all the top prep arms that are a ton of, and then we'll get you some kind of mid-round picks that we like, or at least outside the first round, and a a deeper target for your FYPD. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back from the break. Doing our first year player draft pitcher review here. Just talked a lot of collegiate arms. That was a lot of fun. A lot of good names there. But let's get into the always intriguing prep arms here. And what better place to start than the guy that I can say with a high degree of confidence, in my opinion, has the highest upside of any pitcher in this here draft. Who went number three to the Detroit Tigers. Jackson Job, like I'm gonna wax poetically here about Jackson Job, but I'll, I'll let you go first. But you know how how high do you have Jackson Job in your rankings, Chris?
1: Like
0: <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm probably to be the lowest on him for FYP because I
1: have him 11th. Prep arms scary, and you know, <laughs> Sc- scary prep arms. <laughs> the, the The track record with prep arms just isn't good, and everyone's gonna. And if if you follow my rankings. You're not gonna get him, just being honest. Like, you're not gonna get him there <laughs> because there's gonna be someone that's really high on him. One, a lot of people draft by how teams actually drafted. And so third overall is like, oh my gosh, like this guy. And I like him. Like you said, I think he's probably the most intriguing arm in the class from a talent standpoint. It's there. I mean, this kid didn't pitch until like a year and a half ago. Like he was shortstop. And you look at what he did, he was absolutely dominant. Obviously, like high school numbers don't matter a ton. But in 51 and two-thirds innings, 122 strikeouts, five walks. That's insane. But you look at his spin rates, and his spin rates are like the best in the class, like no doubt. Like the raw spin rates on the fastball, like 24, 2,500. The that's slider, slider. Yeah, that's I sliding. heard it was like 3,300. I don't know if that's a misreading or not, <laughs> but like that's the fastest spinning pitch in baseball. Like No pitch spins like that, 3,300. Fastest so, spin rate in the world, basically. Yeah. Right, that's insane. So the fastball-slider combo are are fantastic. You know He doesn't throw the changeup much because he didn't have to in high school when you throw that good of a uh, fastball and slider. Who needs a changeup at the high school level, I guess? But the changeup development will be good. I think it's an average pitch right now. I think it can improve the command. Obviously, when you're throwing like that, you're not going to walk a lot of guys, so don't look a ton into the walk right there. Five walk is like, oh my gosh, this guy's got elite command control because high schoolers swing at a lot of stuff. And then when you're facing somebody like that, it's like, whoa. So yeah, I like Job. I'm just being a little more conservative from the standpoint of, I think in the past I've ranked high school arms too high and I've got burned on that. And so, you know, last year I ranked Mick Abel, who was my top prep arm last year, like 13th or 14th in FYPD. And, you know, I like Job more than that. But again, with this class, like i really like the top seven And then after that, you know, you could argue, I think you could make an argument for him at eight, like ahead of Benny, who I have eighth, Benny Montgomery, Harry Ford, Matt McLean. So you could put him above those pretty easily, but I'm just a little more conservative in my ranking of him.
0: I'm not. uh, I I agree. (laughs) I love it. I'm not. uh, I I totally agree. Uh, In general, I try to be more conservative with the prep arms, but every now and then there's like that prep arm that's really, really just, captivates you and takes your breath away. And for me, the last year was Mick Abel. There's usually like one, usually one in every draft class. Sometimes not, sometimes one every other year. But we've had back to back years here with Nick Abel last year uh, and Jackson Job this year, who I like just as much. Maybe oh, maybe a smidge below Mick Abel, but damn close, basically flip a coin uh like you mentioned, elite spin rate guy. Double plus fastball. I think he could be seventy fastball, seventy slider in time. Like I think he's at that type of potential uh, once he gets more development here in the minor leagues. And I'm at, I'm higher on the changeup. I, I think that changeup is above average right now. I think it already flashes plus. Uh, so I think with you know obviously you mentioned he didn't have to use it much. So with more repetitions, he'll get a better feel for it. I think that could be a sixty grade offering. I think there's definitely that potential in that changeup. So. You're looking at 70, 70, 60 potential with maybe above average command and control. Like, uh, stop me from drooling here, Chris. Like, obviously, he's a prep arm. He's 19, <laughs> 18, 19. I forget what his ages. But to be that, like you mentioned, he wasn't really, like, he hasn't been pitching for a super long time, right? So that show, you know, the advancedness that he shows for a prep arm without having as much experience as the other prep arms from this class, that makes me feel even better about Jackson Job moving forward here. So I'm all in on, on Jackson Job. I was all in a Mick Abel and he's pitched pretty damn well so far this year. Uh, I'm all in on Jackson Job. I think, you know, five, six, seven years from now, I'm gonna go on and limb. You can, you know, write this down and expose me later if I if I get it completely wrong. I know it's a it's a hot take, but I think he's gonna be the best arm. He's gonna be the ace of Detroit in A handful, you know, every you know, five, six, seven years ahead of Scooball, ahead of Mize, ahead of Manning, everybody. I think he's gonna be the best arm, and because he's got that type of upside, we could go for 10 more minutes on Jackson Joe, but for time's sake, let's move on here to the next couple arms. Here, yeah, there's three other, and like if we're talking about prep arm tiers, I think tier two, in terms of. intriguingness. I'm not sure if that's a word, but I'm making it a word here. (laughs) Frank Mazzucato went 7 to Kansas City, which was, I think, the absolute surprise of the first round, even more so than Watson or Madden falling. Mazzucato going 7 to Kansas City. Andrew Painter, which is an ideal, that's an 80-grade last name for a pitcher, um, went 13 to the Phillies, and Chase Petty, who I'm very high on, went 26 to Minnesota. Chris, Mazzucato, What were your what were your initial thoughts on, on that d- spot right there? And what do you think of Mazzucato? Obviously, I think I think we both can agree that was a bit high on, on Mazzucato with all the other names on the board like they pass on Rocker and, and Bachman and everyone else here. Um, but what were your thoughts on Mazzucato here?
1: Well, I think this was a clear plan from the Royals from the start. They were gonna get a major underslot here and I thought they'd go a little bigger later, but
0: yeah, but they did. They did it reminds the me of my Red Sox last year. Like, yeah, Nick York. Well, oh, let's go big later. Oh, but we didn't go big later. Plays Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> man.
1: So Masacato wasn't really a thing until the stories come out. He threw four straight no hitters. Like, I forgot how many innings he. I had it written down somewhere how many
0: innings in a row he went without a hit. Like, and it was a lot. And then they at, brought At him some in. point, someone throw down a damn bunt. Like, yeah. you know, someone has to be good at drag bunting. Just throw down a drag bun to break up that streak.
1: Yeah, I have it. It's on our uh, FYPD write ups on fan tracks. But anyway, they brought him in relief actually for that fifth, that next outing. And he got it, he had a surrendered hit in that one, and he pitched, which is interesting. But yeah, I mean, the Arsenal's good. You know, I think that you look at a cold weather arm that, you know, popped up and those happen. But, In the past, the fastball was like not good at all, like 86 to 88. And then this spring, he was up to like 89-91 range. Uh, The curveball is a really solid pitch, actually. A lot of spin, a lot of drop on it, good shape to it. It plays well off the fastball, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of projection left here that could help him grow into some more velo. He throws a lot of strikes. He spots the curve decently well. I'll be really interested to see how he develops. Like he's one, he's intriguing too. Like Job's intriguing, but like Mazzucato will be interesting to see like how he develops. So, like I'm not going to draft him in FYPDs unless he falls in like the thirty range, which probably won't happen because yeah, again, yeah. a lot of guys know that <laughs> he went seventh overall. Got to take him top ten, but I'm not going to go there with him. So I'll miss out. But if you want him, you know, go get him. But I'm not going that
0: high on him, honestly. There's a lot of pitchers a lot better in the class. Yep. Agreed. I, I have him uh, 37th overall in mine. Um, right. One spot behind Bubba Chandler, who we'll talk about here in a few minutes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Mazzucato, obviously, like you mentioned, that was, that was the plan for them. Like, obviously you don't just like last second be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Let's take Frank Mazzucato. Like, obviously that was a target of theirs going into the draft. Um, they they had that plan. I mean, I, I don't dislike Mazzucato. I don't think either of us dislike Mazzucato, but just the, the seventh overall, when you had all those other arms, the only two arms off the board at that point were uh, Leiter and Joe, who went two, three, like you could have had your choice of anybody else in the draft, anybody, Gavin Williams, Bachman, Rocker. I think we all thought Rocker was going there, um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think he's a good like third round FYPD target, second, third round. Yeah, but he won't go anywhere near where I want to take him. I think I I have him 37th. I bet you he goes yeah, – if, if we did like an FYPD ADP, yeah, I'd say probably like early 20s. I think he goes like in that range. I think he'll go closer to Gunnar Hoglund than he should. <laughs> you know, like I think they both go in the same range, give or take like five or six picks. I think Hoglund will go ahead of him, but I think because of the draft picks, you know, the slot here, I think he'll go higher than he should. Uh, so I will not have any shares of Frank Mazacato here, um, but so I got two guys that I probably will have some shares of. I like Andrew Painter and Chase Petty a lot here. You know, Painter thirteen to Philadelphia, and Chase Petty sixteen to the Minnesota Twins. Petty is Petty is nasty. He's not he's not Jackson Job nasty, but he is an electric arm, and he's not like a big dude. I think he's what's he? What's that? Six two one ninety. Like he's not like a super big guy. Yeah, he's two inches taller than I am, but you know that's like middle of the road height. You know most pitchers you see we've talked about are like six four, six five, six six. So this is not that huge height, but just the the arm is so lively. It's just a electric arm speed. It's a fastball up in the upper nineties, can touch triple digits with good life up in the zone. Slider and change up. I think the slider could be a plus offering. Uh, It's got some tight spin 2 blame break on it can really bury that down. That's his main out pitch right now. Obviously, you know, it's kind of typical, right? For these electric prep arms, like, all right, got the big fastball, big breaking ball change up kind of behind, but shows promise. It kind of fits that mold pretty well. Um, But again, he's, you know, he's shown promise. He's shown some good feel for his changeups. I think I don't have any worries about that developing, and he just he goes into a an org that is kind of underrated, I think, in terms of pitching talent. Like they, Minnesota, on top of having you know the big three they had to start the year Belazovic, uh Joe Doran, and Matt Cantorino, they just traded for Joe Ryan and uh, Drew stroutman from the Rays. Winder has broken out, and now they add Chase Petty here. I think this would be a very good system for pitching, and I like Chase Petty a lot. I think he he could end up as like one of the five best pitchers from this draft class. If the breaking stuff develops, if he can maintain, he's already showing decent enough command and control. If he can maintain and be at least fifty there, maybe fifty-five, he has that potential. You know, he this guy could be a high-end number two that just racks up the strikeouts with that fastball slider. And like I said, I do, I do think the changeup can develop there. But what are your thoughts on Petty and then Andrew Painter as well?
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Painter. He reminds me a lot of the Abel pick last year. Obviously, same yeah. landing spot here. Uh, I mean, Painter's a big boy, like 6'7", 225. Really good mechanics, repeated well, clean, good feel for spin. A lot of things you like to see. I mean, the fastball's big already, you know, up to 99, and good spin rates on it. And the slider and curve are great pitches as well. Probably, you know, average to above average pitches. The changeup, like you mentioned, needs to develop. I, I like Painter a lot. Petty's probably one that has a lot of upside as well. I think they were both Florida commits, if I'm not mistaken. So we know, obviously, Florida's track record with success.
0: So they can, like both Can you imagine guys. those two in the same rotation? Yeah, that'd Whew. be nuts. That'd be yeah. like uh, second coming of, I don't know, maybe not that, but second coming of like, Lighter and Rocker in a few years. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a fan of, from a landing spot. Like I like Petty as well. Like
1: He fell a little more than I thought, and I'm mad the Braves passed on him. But you know, Petty's got a big fastball for, I mean, being a little smaller, he's six one compared to Painter at six seven. You know, his fastball up there and you know reaches triple digits, which is nuts. So for his size is pretty impressive. He has that kind of power. Um, pretty good delivery as well. I think that the delivery and mechanics are a reason that he gets to triple digits. Good athlete. Like him a lot as well. And I think. So if I'm picking between the two, I'd probably rather take Petty just from a value standpoint, because Great, I yeah. think Painter's going to go a lot higher in FYPD. So if I can get Petty later, then I'm definitely going to do so. But you know, from a ranking standpoint, I have Painter 18th overall and Petty 24th in my FYPD. So yeah, and I think Petty's just going to go lower. So
0: I'll uh, I'll take yeah, it all day. Absolutely. I actually have I have Painter a few spots. Uh, yeah, a few spots behind Petty. I'm just a big Petty guy. Like you mentioned, you know he doesn't have a lot of effort in this. There's some effort, but the fact that he can get that, that velocity just from his arm speed alone. He doesn't have to put a, a sh- I'm a, swore, a a lot of effort into his delivery to get up to that velocity. It's something I do really like to see. And I, I think the upside is a little higher with, with Petty, but the upside with both these guys is very, very high. I, I want to see, you know, how they develop painter. And if, if both him and able hit, that's a, that's a dynamic duo there down the road to pair up with, you know, Nola will probably still be there. Uh, who knows what's like Wheeler, but um, that could be just a dynamic duo to add into that rotation. You know, obviously, several years in the row, they're both still 18, 19 years old. But if you don't get Job and you want the like second, you know, if you're at the mid part of your, you know, the 15 to 25 range, which I think is where these guys will go, you want some upside, I definitely go with, with one of these two. Is that you can't, you can't go wrong? Clip a coin, you know, whoever you like more. Uh, both these guys have very, very, intriguing upside here uh, and real quick let's hit on the other three names we have on our list here Maddox Bruns 29 to the Dodgers and I want to always say Burns but you get flipped that U in the eye around Maddox Bruns 29 to the Dodgers Anthony Salametto 37 to Pittsburgh and then another guy to Pittsburgh that, that they got the sign already Bubba Chandler 72nd overall selection Pittsburgh absolutely just dominated this draft like Start to finish, Pittsburgh absolutely killed it. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on these? Is one of these three, I think for me, Bubba Chandler, I like the most out of these three. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's the easy one for me. But Maddox-Bruns, though, getting to the Dodgers, that does intrigue me as well. All three of these guys intrigue me a decent amount. But in terms of, like, I think I'd rank them Bubba Chandler first overall. Brun's probably second just because of the landing spot. I think him and Salamento were pretty even to me in terms of this like, overall potential and and stuff. But getting to the Dodgers there, as opposed to Salamento going to Pittsburgh, who is his on is on the up and up. So I'm not saying they're a bad or anything, but I love that Brun spot. But yeah, Bubba Chandler, that's very intriguing.
1: Yeah, no, I agree, and I'm probably the least familiar with Brun, so I'm not going to speak a lot to him because I, I don't know a ton. But I do know that he got a great landing spot. I know he's got a big fastball gets good spin rates on the fastball. He's older for the class. Like he's a year older than almost every high school player. So that kind of is a small knock on him from that standpoint. Um there's some command issues from what I've read. So again, I haven't actually seen a lot of film on him. So I'm not going to speak a ton to him. Chandler though, yeah you know, I'm a big fan of obviously he's one that could have easily gone mid first round, I think that kind of talent he's a, a two way player. Him and Will Taylor both were committed to Clemson to play football and baseball. Hey, quarterback, right? So quarterback, D1 quarterback here in Chandler. Will Taylor's going to play some quarterback. We know Taylor didn't end up get drafted because of his firm commitment to Clemson. But Chandler, he's really interesting. Fantastic athlete. Got a guy that's 6'4, 205. He, I think he's a guy who, when he focuses on baseball, is really going to take off. You know, when he's been a multi sport athlete and a lot of these guys, like Lonnie White, it's the same thing we talked about last week. How he's really gonna to pop, I think, when he's just fully focused on the sports, he's f- split so much time between them. And, you know, I think that he's a true starter, in my opinion. He's got two above average or better pitches. The fastball, you know, up to 97, gets pretty good life on it, sits pretty consistently like 92 to 96. Uh, the curve is as slurvish a little bit, in my opinion. The change up above average pitch, you know, there's throws it for strikes. He's he's a confident pitcher too. you watch him. And I think that he's just throws very confidently and a chance to be an impact starter. And so you know, Chandler's one I'm more confident of these and they got a real steal. But they did pay up. I think they gave him three million dollars. Yeah, in, was way over Yeah. Yeah. So they paid for him. But yeah, I they like had- Chandler.
0: I think I think they used a lot of that money they saved on uh, on Davis. That they gave yep. to uh to Bubba Chandler. So yeah, basically, yeah, basically, it all went to a, it. Is I think what did uh was a two and a half under slot for for Davis or something two point two or yeah. something like that. Yeah, two point two, I think. Yeah, so they basically gave all that extra money they saved to uh, Bubba Chandler, or at least most of it to Bubba Chandler. Um, I'll speak a little bit on Anthony Salameto here because. You know, he's very intriguing to me. You know he's a 6'5 lefty, and right away that's pretty intriguing right there. Um, you know prep arm. He had North Carolina commit, who was my favorite school, so I was excited about him potentially going there. But uh, he will, pit, you know, he will go into the Pittsburgh Pirates organization here. Uh, doesn't really have any pitch that stands out right now, but projection is the name of the game for Salamento, Like I said, six-fives projection on that frame. You know, he sits, you know, kind of low 90s, can get get up into the mid 90s uh, at times. Tops out about 96 right now. Um, Mostly sits around 91, 93, 94 in that range. Um, But he's got good life on that fastball already. I think in time he'll tick up with the velocity. I I can see him as a guy that sits mid 90s in a couple years once he kind of fills out his frame a little bit. And he's already shown the ability to, you know, manipulate a slider very well. Good spin rates on a slider. It's uh, got a good sharp break to it. That's his main out pitch right now. Uh, so I think that could be a you know a plus offered in there. I think he could have plus fastball, plus slider in time, and and we'll see about the changeup. Is it's it's behind obviously. I guess that he, he fits that you know prep arm mold of you know good fastball, good good breaking ball, changeup behind. But you know he does show some feel for it. Like the feel is there. So I think with added reps, I think he could have that be at least an average third pitch along with that fastball uh, and slider, and his delivery—it's very, very deceptive delivery. The way he, he attacks hitters in the left side. it's hard to pick up the ball out of his hand as well. So that adds, you know, even more effectiveness to his to his offerings, and makes it that much harder to hit, so especially for lefties. Like that must be an uncomfortable at bat for a left-handed batter to have Salameto and his big long limbs coming at you from the left side. That must be uncomfortable. Uh, I think thankfully I'd have to face Anthony Salametto because that would not be good. Um, but yeah, I definitely like him a lot. I think he could be a guy that could rise up, but not initially. I don't think he's going to be a guy that takes the minor leaks by storm right away. Probably a, more of a slower developer, but I think a guy over time, you'll like look back in a few years, like, Oh, Hey, Salametto is a top 100 prospect now in like 2024 or whatever, but uh, definitely some upside there. Um, let's move on here to our last couple of segments. Uh, Chris, who are a couple guys going outside of round one that you really like for FYPD?
1: Yeah, so first one is Kai Bush. He didn't go far out of the first round. He went uh, 45th overall to the Angels. Uh, Another left-handed arm that, you know, not a big college. He's from St. Mary's, but big boy at 6'6", 240. Very high release angle, which is interesting. He's kind of fun to watch uh, how he throws. So fastball. You know, Mid 90s touches 97 again fringe competition, so it's hard to like speak to the true ability. But when you watch him pitch, I think there's the arsenal is is solid. I like the fastball. He's got some good secondaries as well. He's one who I think is a little under the radar because I think there's potential for a plus fastball and slider here. The biggest thing with him is the lack of a changeup, I think, and the command. So the command will be interesting to see how that ends up working out for him. The other guy is one that you know, I watched quite a bit being down here in the SEC and that's Tommy Mace from Florida who actually landed in a great spot in Cleveland and Mace was talked about as a first rounder for a long time and you know fell pretty far but his fastball yeah you know, it's it's okay. Like it's not great, but he's got a well-rounded arsenal and good command. So for me, like when I'm looking at guys later in the draft, to take a shot on, I'll take a shot on that. Someone who has good command and has he has four pitches and pitched against good competition at that. But you know, he's one who last year could have been drafted and he wasn't. But I think it was because it was a shorter draft and a financial thing, like he you know just de- financial demands. So anyway, he's 22 now and he was a red shirt junior. He's one who I think probably saw some draft stock fall, but overall, like I think has as much upside as some of the other higher ones in the class. And, you know, he reminds me a little bit of like a Bryce Jarvis, which was a first rounder last year. And, and Jarvis has a lot of upside as well. Like Mace is one that has a lot of, you know, high RPMs on his, all of his pitches, really not like elite, but really solid. And, I think he's still got some room to grow. Like I would say I would call him like an unfinished product. And you know what? Being an unfinished product in Cleveland is fantastic. We've yep. seen how they develop pitchers. And so I'll take the shot on, on Mace Lee. like in this mid tier of arms, like I'm kind of skipping them. And if you're Mace is one where you got to go like 50 players deep, in my opinion, to take him. But if you do, like he's going to be a good value. Like I'm 55 in my FYPD rankings. So I'm willing to take a shot in that range, and I think that he could be one who pays off for you. How about you?
0: Yeah, those are two good selectors. Like you, you can't go wrong with getting a guy like that in Cleveland. Like when in doubt, just go with Cleveland arms. This is you know how it goes these days with how much success they've had over the last you know half decade uh, developing pitchers. So I like those two a lot. Uh, I'm going to go with two prep arms as well, two unfinished products, as you said. Uh, first one, I'll go Peter Hubuck. Uh, Maryland prep righty that went pick, oh, where did he go? I lost my note here. Uh, pick 101 to the Dodgers. Another great org at like Cleveland, Tampa, Dodgers, are kind of the top three orgs for pitching development, at least in my mind. Uh, so I liked that spot a lot. He's, he's, he's a very much an unfinished product. Like he definitely fits that mold. But at the same time, you know, getting him into the Dodgers was just a match. That may be the second best match of the draft behind Williams to Cleveland, in my opinion even though he went in the, I think it was what, the fourth round, um, pick one-on-one. So he's a low to mid 90s fastball, kind of like 92-94 right now, but can touch a little higher than that. Um, but big spin rate fastball, big spin rate 12-6 to six breaking ball. So I think in time, they're both going to be plus. That curveball might be plus right now. It's got a ton of depth to it. Uh, so that fastball-curveball combo is very, very good potential there, especially when the Dodgers get their hands on him and, you help him develop that and maximize his potential. I definitely think there'll be a, a plus, two plus pitches right there. You know, outside of that, we'll, we'll see. You know, we'll see how the changeup develops or if he develops any other offerings. You know, command and control are probably fringy average right now. Um, but in time, I think they could be average. So this is kind of like, it reminds me of like the Clayton Beater pick, even though Beater was a college arm. Just kind of like the upside mid-round pick that If you just want some, you know, at, at that point, most I think most people are going after upside anyway. So if you want to take an arm there, you know, in the 50 to 60 range probably, I think Peter Hulbuck is your guy. And then my other guy here, uh, Michael Morales, a um, Pennsylvania prep arm that went pick 83 to the um, Seattle Mariners, excuse me. And he's, you know, big fastball, big curveball with some projection and he's got good feel too. Like he's one of the better, you know, more advanced polished prep arms. If there is such a thing, he's a Vandy commit Got a, you know, like you mentioned Florida commit, you know, the Vandy commit obviously means good things there. They saw some good things in Michael Morales. And I like that landing spot with, with Seattle as well. They've done a, a great job recently developing pitching prospects. Uh, and he's another good arm to add into all those good arms already in the system. Again, see how it's like a theme here. See how the changeup develops, but I think the fastball curveball combination above average to plus in time is like a solid frame. 6'2", 205. I think he still could fill out that frame a bit more. There, not a ton of projection on his frame, but I think he could, you know, beak, uh, beak up. Yeah, bulk up. I, I combined beef up and bulk up into beak up. <laughs> New term there. Uh, beak, could, up. beak up. I think that's a stick. I'm gonna make that stick. Beak up. Um, he could bulk up. A bit here, um, add some velocity. I think it could be like a mid nineties, uh, sitting mid nineties guy with that curveball and at least a solid changeup. So, uh, like the command and control he's already shown, that gives me some more confidence that he'll kind of reach his potential and in a good system there. So, like Morales a lot. And last but not least, Chris, who's a guy that's a little bit deeper that you're going to be targeting in your first year player drafts.
1: Yeah, and this is like a thirty team, like very deep and. Hunter Parks, he's an arm that some talked about as a first rounder like a year ago this time. And he's a JUCO guy. He's here in South Carolina at uh, Florence Darlington Tech. Small old JUCO school, but they made the JUCO World Series and they do every year. Like they're very competitive JUCO. Parks didn't pitch a ton this year. He pitched 21 innings, 0.43 ERA, 27 Ks. He was going to be transferring to South Carolina this year and South Carolina, obviously a very solid program. But for me, when I look at, Park's like, I don't know, it's kind of tough because he's one that has the stuff like big fastball, you know, 95. There's not great spin to it, but he also has a good slider sits in the upper 70s, needs a little more power behind it. He hasn't used the change up much because he hasn't really needed to against his competition, has some good fade to it. And you know, he missed actually a month due to COVID protocol. So we didn't see a ton of I, mean, I think that hurt his stock, especially with a, a shorter JUCO year. And, you know, he did a lot in 62 JUCO or 63, excuse me, JUCO innings in two seasons. And he's won three pitches, could be a three pitch starter if he develops right. There's a lot of projection left in his frame. He's six foot four, one eighty seven. So you could easily see him adding some weight and strength there. Those are a lot of strikes. That command and control improve a little bit. He's one who I think is a great pick at 240 overall to the Reds.
0: Yeah, def- definitely a good pick there. Uh, I'm going to go – the guy that wasn't taken quite as deep uh, as, as your guy was, Hunter Parks, was uh, went 113 to Seattle. Bryce Miller out of Texas A&M uh, in his final year. He didn't have stats that blew you away. Last year at Texas AM, 13 starts, 10 relief, uh, excuse me, 13 overall appearances, 10 starts, which were his first 10 starts in the collegiate ranks. He was a reliever exclusively prior to 2021. 445 ERA, 150 whip, you a walk rate well above 10%. So, like, what? why am I recommending him? Well, when you go, when you're getting later on in your first year player draft, you know, especially with with pitchers, obviously, like, like I mentioned, you, you look for upside, right? Like, why take the safe, boring guy? You know, go for the upside. If they don't hit, whatever. You 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 know, if you, you filter around, um, then you churn out that back end of your prospect pool. So go for the upside. He has solid upside. And another thing I look at here, you know, is there a potential bullpen path? They could be pitching meaningful innings in the back end of a bullpen someday. And I do think Miller has that potential. So I'd say it's. I'd probably in 60-40. He's actually a reliever, but I think he could be a pretty damn good reliever. He's got the big fastball, 70-grade fastball. You know, A lot of scouts and analysts are kind of mixed on the secondaries. I don't know if I'd say he has any plus. If anything, the slider could be plus. I think if he does go the bullpen route, ditches the other pitches, focuses solely on a fastball slider, I think he could really get that slider to be plus. It's at least above average. Borderline plus. You know, It's a good at least a good secondary offering there to, to pair up with that fastball. So I think that combination could land him in the back end of a bullpen someday. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe not a closer, but in the eighth inning role, in each sort of your saves whole leagues, something like that. I know it's not something you really think about when you're in your first year player draft. Like, oh, I'm going to draft a guy that could be a reliever for me in a few years. I know that's not in anybody's mind, but yeah, in, in the back end of your first year player draft, okay, I think he's a big guy that's going to be taken outside the top 100 overall in FYPD. So Definitely has the upside there, even if it's in the bullpen. That fastball slider combination could be pretty damn good. So he's a guy I'll probably take a flyer just to see how he develops. It's like the, the the lively arm is there, the upside's there. We'll see how he develops uh, as a starter or a reliever, but definitely some good upside, and that's kind of what I look for late in drafts. But all right, Chris, let's get kind of wrap us up, man. That was we went a little long, but a uh, lot of fun names here. Sure.
1: It was a great episode. So hope you stuck with us the whole time and hope it's beneficial to your FYPD. Thanks for
0: joining. Yes. Thank you to everyone for listening again this week. Again, if you missed last week's episode, talking about hitters, go back and check that out. Episode 39. So check this one out again. You know, this will be, we'll, we're, we'll revisit our, and you know, talk more FYPD into the off season where most of you have your FYPD fantasy draft. So we'll definitely touch on these guys again, but we wanted just to get our initial thoughts out there. You know, where we value these guys in prospect rankings kind of definitely for those of you that are like, Well, I have the third pick, and you know, what type of guy could I get there? What's the value of that against you know, current prospects? let get our initial thoughts out there to help people with trades and whatnot. Um, but again, that's a wrap us up. Thank you to everyone for listening again this week. We hope you, you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter, Chris is at Roto I am at Aircross04, and all of our written work at Fantrex HQ or over on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Toolshed. Make sure to tune in again next week for more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, everyone take care.